You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning to you all, those of you here in the sanctuary and those of you joining us online. I am Kate Tucker, one of your ministers emerita, serving you this summer as worship coordinator. So welcome to this worship hour. It's good to be together to remember who we are and what we hold dear and where we hope to go as a community of covenant and care. Sunday mornings are a time for feeling and strengthening the fabric of this beloved community, a congregation firmly rooted in Minneapolis for 163 years. Love is the spirit of this church, we say, and service is its law. This is a faith home. Whatever your age, skin color, gender identification, you can be very young. background ability, this place is for you. We hold that all are precious, all are gifted, all deserve a chance at life, a chance to unfold their powers, and so we commit ourselves to listening, learning, and working to end oppression and discrimination wherever we find it within us, among us, and beyond us. Today, musicians Franco Holder and Amy Bryant are with us and John and Stephen attending to technology, thank you. Reverend Arif Mandami is here with us, your associate minister. That's what they tell me. <laughs> and, and so is Satya Mamdani bringing the homily. Satya has been part of this church since forever. <laughs> and she just graduated from high school and she's soon headed to Trinity College. She's also serving on the Article II Study Commission for the Unitarian Universalist Association. Saji, we welcome you to the chancel today. And Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout is here to share some news. And before he does, uh, we would like you to know that next Sunday, Glenn Thomas and I will share the pulpit with reflections, musical and otherwise, reflections on many things relevant to what we all do here in this room together on Sundays and beyond. So. Good morning. morning. Ooh, how robust. (laughs) It is good to see you. It is good to know that you are present with us. Thank you for being in church today. Thank you for making church real and possible and yes this morning. On this marvelous morning, it's, uh, it's my privilege and duty to call attention, to notice, and to name a new member of our music. When I was growing up in Hemingway Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church, I was one of the last members of the last generation of gospel musicians to learn primarily on an acoustical piano. I remember for the very first time 
I pressed my hands on the keys of a grand piano. I remember the color of the piano. I remember the distinct difference between the white and the black keys. I remember the sound that emerged from my hands and my focus and those strings. And it was in that moment right there that I decided that I would figure out how in the world to keep pressing my hands to create beauty. Some of you may know that I grew up without the means to find a piano teacher easily, to sit down, to write a check, and receive instruction. But my church had a pianist there who saw the look on my face at that moment. And she told my mother, whatever you can pay, even if you can't pay, I'd like to teach this young man how to play. And now I stand before you, an entire life made from that very moment. I stand before you with music ministry in my heart, hoping to make for our children and the children we have not even imagined moments of possibility and beauty. One of the great pleasures of being in community together is the growing collection of shared experiences we fold into our memories. Whether lovely, rough-edged, or some of both, so much of our relationship with each other are made by the stories we share. When I arrived here a little more than a year ago, I remember how wonderful it was to see each of you return to this sanctuary that had just been renewed how dear it felt to care for you as a worship leader in our Wednesday meditations. And still, I yearned for a deeper connection, a connection built only by memories and time. And slowly, we've had some of those week by week. We've shared really great community sings over the last couple of months, and I invite you to join me on Wednesday for another one this Wednesday at 7. I don't sing, Glenn Thomas. Yes, you do, said Glenn Thomas in reply. <laughs> but I'm not really a singer. That's exactly what a community sing is for, Glenn Thomas replied. Well, he's not talking about me. I am talking about you Wednesday at 7, and I'd love to see you there. And more than that, everyone around would love to see you there, too. And you might imagine the joy and the privilege of announcing now the coming of our new instrument to this music ministry that opens a whole new world of possibilities for our shared ministry in the community and the world. I announce the installation of our Steinway Concert Grand Piano as the latest of our renovation efforts. The Steinway is here thanks to so much of your generosity and the work of exemplary staff and music leaders. Let's not take for granted the beauty that, uh, that our music staff has already brought into this room for years and years. It is because of that that we have the mind to make an instrument like this a possible investment here. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Franco. As, and especially for the miracles that you performed on that Yamaha piano that was so tenderly ours for so many years. 
The Yamaha is being rebuilt and is going to get a second life. And the Steinway is with us to make our ministry of community possible and artistic outreach and inreach and empowering ministry. It matters what we do and what we share with each other in our history and with the future yet to come. So when fingers focus to press these keys, may we be reminded of what beauty is possible when we collect and focus our will and attention. When her melodies rise to call us to song, may we remember that it is a duty and a privilege to return the sound of togetherness into the air. And when any child lifts their face in delight and wonder at her sound, may we remember that she is no supernatural miracle. She is made of wood and minerals. She is shaped by human hands and human minds. Let this truth turn our hands and our minds into the instruments of love to be known and felt and heard by all generations. If we care for this instrument, she can be known for her humble place, spilling beauty into our rituals, lifting quiet voices to more confident song, and opening the possibility of music to all people. So may it be among us. Amen. Thank you, Glenn Thomas, for that and um, for reminding us of the miracle when music and spirit are wed. So let us settle ourselves with that beauty in mind, sitting comfortably aware of the space over our heads, the space beneath us, the space around us, the space within us, aware of our companions nearby, and aware of our breathing, grateful for the breath of life. Aware as we sit in these pews that the ground far below is part of the homeland of Lakota and Ojibwe and other indigenous peoples who have stewarded this land and to whom we owe deep honor, ongoing reparations, and honest storytelling about this place. As we breathe together, I offer this call to worship from Yehuda Amichai. From the place where we are right, flowers will never grow in the spring. The place where we are right is hard and trampled like a yard, but doubts and loves dig up the world like a mole, a plow, and a whisper will be heard in the place where the ruined house once stood. Come, let us worship together. Will you please join me 
in saying the words for lighting our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. So I'd like to share a story with you this morning. And I'm going to need your help to tell this story. Hang on a second. I just got to take you all in. I haven't been in the pulpit in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I missed you folks. Oh, so this story, this story, um, this story is about a club. Once upon a time, in a town on the other side of the planet, or maybe it was next door. A person was lonely, and they saw a club on the other side of the street, and the people in that club were having a lot of fun. So this person, seeing these people having a lot of fun at this club across the street, they said, I'm going to make the perfect club the best club of all. So this person then started their club. They invited all of their friends. They all gathered. They were so excited to be invited to join this perfect club, the best club. It was summertime. It was hot. We're familiar with what that feels like. So they made lemonade together. How do they do that? How do you make lemonade? Squeeze lemons, add sugar, water, lemon, sugar, water, ice, stir it all up. That's the fancy way. The more expedient way might be to take your canister of lemonade mix and measure out the requisite amount, add water, Stir it up. Maybe eat some of that powder while you're doing it. I don't know. This is the perfect club. So, of course, they had the lemons and the sugar and the water and the ice. So they made lemonade. They made their lemonade. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. And they're, they're enjoying their lemonade. And then one person makes a slurping noise. Yeah, slurping is not nice. You, you need to leave the club. Then they play a card game. They play a card game, and they are shuffling, and one person cannot do the bridge when they shuffle. They can't make it go shh. So then what happens? They're out. Yeah, not shuffling correctly is not perfect. You need to leave. And a couple of people think, oh, I, I can't do that either, but they don't say anything because if they said anything, they would need to leave. So then they decide to have a conversation. I love that some of you already went, oh. <laughs> You're right, someone voices an unpopular opinion. Oh, oh. Everyone gets really quiet. You all preemptively got really quiet. You saw that one coming. That person immediately knows. They just get up and leave. 
So this goes on for a while. Yeah. This is all the worship we need right now. This goes on for a while. And the founder of the club is left alone. They decide to go for a walk and they hear a party. There's music. What song is it, do you think, that's playing? What song is it that draws them in? Cake by the Ocean. Thank you. That is the, yes, that is the song that draws them in. So they follow the music. They find a gathering, and who do you think is there? The people that left. And what do they say? Come on in. They say, come on in. They cheer and they welcome them. And our person comes in, and what do they see in the room? What's happening in there? Fun. People are having fun. People are slurping. People are shuffling poorly. People are having a conversation and voicing unpopular opinions, and it's okay. And I am sure that people are playing hide and seek behind their masks with the babies in the room. Because how could you pass that up? So what, friends, is the moral of this story? I know, you already know what's going on. Uh huh. Maybe that we should not try to be perfect. Maybe that to pursue perfection. Yeah, to try to have everything all neat and tidy keeps us away from life, keeps us away from the world that we live in, keeps us away from each other. Thank you. Thank you, Arif, and all the helpers. When we gather in worship, we're mindful of the necessary and holy rhythm of giving and receiving, and one way we make real our bonds to one another is by sharing our financial resources. This we do in person here, and um, we also provide online guidance. And our offering today goes to the work of this congregation's sanctuary and resistance team. As you may know, a primary focus of the Sanctuary and Resistance Team, or SNR for short, is to support individuals and families who are at risk of experiencing injustice from the U.S. immigration system and to offer that support in a way that prioritizes the dignity and agency of these folks. The funds we collect here for SNR are quickly spent either shared with our partner organizations or used to assist those living in our church apartment. This week, Jean Guion of the SNR team let me know that there is a very time-sensitive need right now, which is that the family living in the apartment now has become largely self-sufficient and they would be ready to move to a residence on their own, of their own, but an unexpected legal and financial barrier has appeared and is preventing them 
from moving. The remedy, the remedy will cost up to $1,500, and the current balance in our SNR fund is zero. So today's donations truly will help this family move forward in their lives, and we will be able to host others in our space. So checks can be made out to First Universalist Church with Sanctuary and Resistance Fund, or SNR Fund, on the memo line. And thank you for this generosity.
I invite you to come into a place of prayer and meditation. To put down what you're holding. Let your gaze be soft. Let the sounds that we hear Remind us that now and always we are surrounded by life. We are in the midst of things. That change is always happening within us and among us and beyond us. In that spirit, I invite you to pray with me. Spirit of life, spirit of love, wind, warmth of sunlight on skin that knows winter is coming. Rain on earth that has known drought. Wind that is different somehow these days. Wind that blows through and whispers loudly of mighty forces of this planet that we rely on for everything. Spirit of life and love, make us ready. Make us ready for this moment that we might savor more deeply these final days of summer. That we might soak up the easy company out of doors. Ready us, Holy One. Ready us to hold in our hearts this earth, this warm and fertile earth, knowing that it is changing. Ready us for the abundance of produce, zucchini and peppers and eggplant and tomatoes and tomatoes and tomatoes, and may the abundance of the earth flow into an abundance in our lives. Hearts open and giving and giving and giving and showing up where we can to do what we can to make the world in the image our hearts long for. Ready us for an abundance of justice 
rolling down not like waters, not yet, but in dribs and drabs, four finely charged, long overdue, say her name, Brianna Taylor. Say her name, Brianna Taylor. Say her name, Brianna Taylor. Ready us, spirit, for hearing the tug of where we are called. Whether to the protest, to the kitchen, to the doors of the church, to the clinic as an escort for those seeking reproductive health care. We need not get caught in the competition of who is most righteous, but let us please get caught in accountability with self, that we might show up with integrity, that we might show up imperfectly, that we might thereby learn and grow and become. Ready us, that we might now and in all things ask ourselves what loves people would do and then do the answer that we receive. So let us turn that love, that larger love, and lift up the joys and put down the sorrows that we hold in our hearts. That in the sharing we might lighten the load and lift the spirit, knowing always that what we hold together enables us all to hold together more. I invite you to share aloud, to hold in the silence of your heart, or share in the chat online those things that you would lift in worship this day. As we close this time of prayer, We pray that the grip of addiction be loosened, that the weight of oppression be lightened, that truth be told, that joy break through, and that love make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so, and amen. Church is a place where you get to practice what it means to be human. James Luther Adams. 
If religious individuals are meant to be fully and authentically human, then it follows that our religious leaders are meant to be fully and authentically human. An authentic leader is someone who leads with the acknowledgement that they do not know everything. An authentic leader is always in search of growth. This makes sense in the context of our faith. In an ever-growing, ever-changing faith where revelation is not revealed, I hope our leaders don't think they know everything. That they are open to learning and growing, not just in their faith tradition, but in their beliefs, actions, values. Here's the thing. It's hard to not know everything when you're the person people go to with questions. Here's how I know it's hard. Two years ago, I joined the Article II Study Commission as a volunteer. The commission is a group of six volunteers charged with reviewing and revising Article II of the UUA's bylaws. This section of the bylaws contains four parts, the principles, the purposes, otherwise known as our sources, the inclusion clause, and the freedom of belief clause. The commission was tasked with looking over these four sections to essentially make sure they are relevant and inclusive. The charge is a lot longer than that, but to sum it up. Some of you may be thinking, why should I care about this? If you have ever talked about the seven principles or recited the rainbow path, the work of the commission is relevant to you. Part of the commission's task, small part of it, is revising the principles clause to be more inclusive and reflective of Unitarian Universalist values today. I knew I was interested in the work of the commission. Reading, analyzing, and diving into Article II of the bylaws seemed like theologically rich work. Many UUs strongly value growth. I know I do. But valuing something and acting on that value are two entirely different things. Volunteering for this commission was an opportunity for me to actively contribute to the theological growth of Unitarian Universalism. I leapt into this opportunity with excitement and anticipation. Here's what I didn't expect. The immense learning curve that came with my work on the commission. I don't even know if you could call it a learning curve. It was more like a learning hill or a mountain. There was so much I didn't know. More than I thought was possible to not know about the faith I had spent my entire life in. Turns out, there's been a lot of growth in this religion over the years. I was learning a vast and complex history of Unitarian Universalism and the UUA. This is the kind of stuff they learn in seminary. It's detailed and confusing. I was effectively giving myself a crash course in UU history. It felt as though I was playing catch up with the rest of the commission. They had knowledge that I did not. I was struggling to learn and develop connections within the UUA, all while being the quote-unquote representative for UU youth and youth of color. Felt like I was leading with a quarter of the information that I was meant to have. During this time, I had family and friends and people at church asking me millions of questions about my work on the commission. Understandably so, it's interesting stuff. 
but I didn't feel like I had the knowledge to give a halfway decent answer to any of them. I didn't want to tell them I didn't know what the heck was going on. Because I'd been given this incredible opportunity and I wanted to prove that I could do it. I wanted to prove that I could be the perfect leader. But I just didn't have the same mental library of theological knowledge that older and more experienced UUs did. I wonder if any of you have ever felt the need to prove yourself in a hard situation. That fake it till you make it attitude where you pretend like you know everything until hopefully, eventually, you do. And sometimes that works, but what do you do when it doesn't? I reached out for help. I asked the members of the commission and other religious adults I knew to share their theological resources with me. I asked people to explain UUA processes and define terminology when it confused me. This isn't a shocking lesson, I know. Reach out for help when you need it. People talk about leading with flaws all the time. But this was a shocking lesson for me. My whole life, I've been told I'm a natural leader. I've always been the people, person that people go to with questions, not the one asking them. The idea of asking questions undermined my sense of leadership because it showed everyone else that I lacked knowledge. I believed that good leaders knew everything. So feeling unqualified to lead made me feel like I wasn't meant to be a leader, like I wasn't even meant to be on the commission. I think ideally now in my story, I would say, guess what? After I reached out for help, I didn't feel unqualified anymore. No. In reality, that is not what happened. <laughs> my lack of knowledge didn't miraculously disappear when I asked for help, although that would have been nice. What I did learn was that no one expected me to be a perfect leader. In fact, most people were really surprised that it had taken me four months to reach out for help and mentorship. I had defined perfection as being all-knowing. I thought the perfect leader could provide the most articulate and flawless answer to every question they were asked. Turns out that is so not the case. As I looked at the authentic leaders around me, I realized none of them claimed to or even pretended to have all the knowledge. In fact, they were always the ones asking questions, yearning to learn more about what they didn't know. They were always trying to grow in their theology and spirituality. I saw all of these people as perfect leaders. They were authentic and imperfectly human, which made their leadership relatable. They asked insightful questions and viewed growth as a constant process, not a one-time thing. I knew all of these leaders didn't know everything and that they were not flawless, yet I still saw them as perfect leaders. So why was I holding myself to a completely different standard of perfection, a standard of perfection that required me to be all-knowing? I joined the commission aiming to contribute to the growth of Unitarian Universalism, but I had this mentality that I needed to know everything. I was in search of a complete mental library of theology. Is there any room for growth in a complete bench of knowledge? Not really. You're only able to grow when you acknowledge that your knowledge is incomplete 
and will always be incomplete. I slowly began to shift my mentality from aiming to have a complete mental library to simply aiming to grow my knowledge, learn more every day. I learned the rainbow path when I was in first grade here at this church, so I began really trying to embody the color yellow, yearn to learn. I took this mentality of searching for growth instead of completeness into my work on the commission. Our aim in the first year was to talk to as many people and groups as we could in order to gain tons of knowledge and feedback on our work. We developed a very long Google spreadsheet with names of people to talk to. But we viewed this list as incomplete. There was always room for growth, always more people to talk to, and always more to learn. This constant search for knowledge embodies the value of growth within Unitarian Universalism. And who better to embody that value than our leaders? When I first joined the commission, I viewed my lack of knowledge negatively. I thought I needed to play catch up in order to be on the same level and contribute effectively. In order to be the perfect leader, I thought I needed to complete my learning and growth. I now define perfection a little differently. The perfect leader has an incomplete bunch of knowledge. The perfect leader is authentically human in their leadership. The perfect leader is in constant search of growth. I'm pretty sure all leaders have struggled with feeling unqualified at times. And I'm not just speaking about the leaders with fancy titles. All of you are leaders in some capacity or another. Perhaps in your family, at school, at work, here at church. Leading is hard. It's not flawless or easy. And a good leader embraces those flaws and is transparent about what they don't know. A good leader reaches out for help and guidance on how to gain the knowledge they are missing. As we learn about our imperfect humanness, we work on that so it doesn't hurt others. We are always in search of growth. The perfect leader is authentically and imperfectly human, as many of our leaders in this faith are. Perfect congregant is also authentically and imperfectly human. James Luther Adams says that church is a place where you get to practice what it means to be human. I think that we can practice being human as a congregation by actively searching for growth, growing in your knowledge, growing in your relationships, growing in your spirituality. There are so many ways to grow and so many types of growth. Let us all yearn to learn, and through that learning, may we practice what it means to be imperfect humans. And through that learning, may we become not just individuals in search of growth, but a church in search of growth. A church in constant search of growth is an authentic church, a church with imperfect and human leaders that are always seeking out leading opportunities is a church with perfect leaders. So to every person or leader who is feeling unqualified or feels they are lacking knowledge, you are the perfect you you. 
You are just what we need in this ever-growing, ever-changing faith. You are a human, a whole, imperfect human in search of growth, and that's what church is all about. Satya, we thank you for your message, your presence, and your leadership. And we will sing together. I think we will uh, rise in body and or spirit, and I think it's 1018, come and go with me. words today come from the Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson, based on the words of June Jordan in a poem for South African women. We are the ones we have been waiting for. We are not perfect, but we are perfectly fitted for this day. We are not without fault, but we can be honest to face our past as we chart a new future. We are the ones we have been waiting for. May we be bold and courageous to chart this new future. May we have faith in a future that is not known. We are the ones we have been waiting for. As you leave the service today, remember that there is no perfect leader, 
and church is a place to practice being human. So carry forth that practice of authentic, imperfect growth as you go out into the world today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.